good to be with you all this morning. Merry Christmas and Happy New Year. Just want to express how grateful we are as a family to you, Frack family, for helping us move into our new home in time for Christmas. I met Derek yesterday walking down the street and he says, I've never seen so many people helping someone move into their house. And I said, yeah, yeah, that's our church family. So I've already been able to initiate a conversation about the Lord and about church with neighbors because of your faithfulness. So thank you all who are there. But it's a new year coming up tomorrow. New years always make me, this time of year, I do reflect, um, as Ryan said, on the goodness and maybe the hardship of the previous years. And I think ahead, I look forward to what is coming. And I begin to think about things I want to see changed and things different in the new year, right? And so what I'd like for us to do this morning is to consider Jesus's words to us from Matthew chapter seven. So if you have your Bible open there and begin to think through this regular rhythm of hearing the words of Jesus, just regularly immersing yourself into his presence and hearing his words. Have you ever noticed that when you're around someone, you begin to take on their characteristics? Whether it's intentional, you recognize something you love and appreciate and value in that person. And so you're saying, I'm gonna be, I wanna be more like that. And so you're spending time with that person and then you become more like them. Or sometimes it's unintentional. You don't even realize that you're starting to sound like the people you're spending time with. You start to say the things the way they would say it. And then you might catch yourself later saying, oh, wow, I sounded just like so-and-so. That's why parents are careful kids who you hang out with if you're ever... Like, man, I wish my parents would just let me hang out with whoever I wanted. Well, they have reasons for what they're doing. They're purposeful. And there's a great beauty to this. When you aspire to something you like in other people, you can spend time with them and you begin to take on those characteristics. There's also great danger in it, right? Around people that make foolish decisions or say unwise things, you too might begin to say unwise things and make foolish decisions unless... By God's grace, he awakens you to it. But you take on the characteristics of the ones you spend time with. And when the same thing is true when you're hearing the words of the Lord Jesus Christ and you're immersed in his presence, you become more and more like him as you hear from him and do his words. So in Matthew 7, we're gonna look at the very end of the Sermon on the Mount. And towards the end of the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has given us some uh, ideas into this, this narrow way that leads to life in a wide way that leads to destruction. So the context is kind of this two ways. And he says, beware of external deception. You can be deceived. You can be led astray by false prophets. So judge them by the fruit of their lives. They're going to aim to deceive you. And then he says, but beware also of a false profession. Like just because you say, Lord, Lord, doesn't mean you're truly devoted to me. So he's giving these warnings and the stakes are high. He's saying life and death is at stake here. And then he goes into the end of his sermon. And after his sermon, everyone's struck by the authority with which Jesus speaks. Because when you read what we're about to read as the final words of his sermon, it's pretty striking. It's pretty stunning the way he ends his sermon on the Mount. I can't get away with saying what Jesus is about to say about my sermon, but Jesus can, Jesus can. Matthew 7, 24 through 27. Everyone then 
who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat against that house and it fell and great, great was the fall of it. So much of the Christian life is made up of things that no one sees, like hearing the word of God. And Jesus makes a statement, if you listen to me and do what I say, it's gonna lead to stability. If you hear me and don't do what I say, it's gonna lead to instability. Great is the fall of the life. How terrible the ruin, one translation says. You know, when a big storm blows through, no one notices the houses that withstood it. You just, yeah, they, it's what they're built for. They're supposed to withstand a storm. We always notice the ones that fail, that fall apart, that come undone. And Jesus is saying, the, the less noticeable things, just hearing my words and doing them, is gonna lead to a life of stability. And it may not be seen. It may not be greatly noticed. But if you hear his words and don't do them, it will become evident to all. So I wanna look at these builders. I wanna look at this and move then to a time of reflecting on hearing and receiving the words of Jesus in this new year. And then afterwards in the conversation, we'll share, we'll think out loud, we'll talk and encourage one another in how we've read God's word and how he's encouraged our hearts in our lives together as we've read his word. So I want us to see three similarities between these two builders, two builders, and then one big difference, one big difference. So three similarities between these two builders is number one, they hear the word. Both of these men hear the word. They're part of probably the visible Christian community. They may read the Bible. They may go to church. They listen to sermons. They read biblical literature. They may be able to tell you Christian theology and argue for it. They hear the word in their lives regularly. So they can maybe point you to a text. They hear the word regularly. The second similarity is they both then build the house. They both build a house, which is representative of what they're building their lives upon. So you can build your lives on all kinds of things, right? Success in many arenas, wealth, appearances, or you can build your life on the words of Jesus and himself. So both of these builders hear the word and both build a house. They build their life and both look like well-built homes. From the external appearance, they've built a house. They're building up their lives. And then the third similarity is they face storms. So it says rain, the rain fell down, rain came from above and the wind blew all around. So from the side, they're facing storms and the floods came high. So the floods came up from below and up. So these people are experiencing storms from every direction, opposition, all around. Everyone faces storms. No one is exempt 
from storms. Jesus warned us of these things. I've told you many times that in me, you may have peace. In this world, you'll have trouble. Jesus said, but take heart. I've overcome the world. In the world, you'll have trouble. We'll face storms. We'll face the the difficulties of the world, just the hardships of this life. It's a fallen world. Things do not go the way they're supposed to go, do they? It's just hard. Financial concerns, hardships, houses, issues in the house, cars in disrepair, jobs and coworkers can be tough. Children might be wayward. School is difficult, isn't it, kids? Neighbors might be troubling. Bodies ache. The world is hard. Life is hard. Earthquakes destroy cities. Nations declare war. The world is hard. It brings storms. But you've also got your own flesh to battle, right? Temptations abound in your own heart, in your own soul. You fight sinful deeds and wicked thoughts, your own Tendency towards sin, indwelling sin, just never leaves you alone. You're constantly fighting to hold on to Jesus and walk in his ways. And new seasons of life create these new struggles that you didn't even see coming. Or maybe old sins that you thought were dead or have risen their ugly heads again. And you're just like, man, life is tough. And then Satan is alive and well. As we've been working in Mark, we've seen his activity and he's not done. He's not done. The flaming darts from the evil one abound. Evil thoughts that would never come from you alarm you. You can know they came from Satan. But false ideas abound. False ideas about the world and ideologies or cultural movements all push back against the one true God, Jesus Christ. As one of my pastor friends said, life is hard even for those who have it easy. Storms hit everyone. You can be wealthy beyond measure, and life feels stormy. It's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So these builders hear God's word, they both build a house, and they both face storms. So the two builders then, the first one is wise, Matthew, Jesus says. What made the builder wise? Well, he built his house on the rock. In the parallel passage in Luke, it says he dug down deep. He dug down deep. Digging deep to this foundation, it's slower, it's harder, takes much more effort, but it's much more mindful of what is to come. Thinking beyond immediate comforts and immediate life and thinking into eternity. So he thought to do things the right way not the cheaper, faster way. He wanted to build his life, his house, but he wanted to make sure it was on solid, lasting ground. And so Jesus says, this is the wise builder, and that's whoever hears his word and does them. That builder's life or house will endure the storms because he hears the words of Jesus and he builds his life on them. The second builder then is foolish. And he doesn't, he hears Jesus' words, but he's content to build his life on sand. Not just that it's easier, it's just, but it's also very short-sighted. It's not thoughtful beyond the immediate moment. 
It's not considering eternity. He wants the pleasures of the house, the security and the benefits of the house, but without making the work and investing the time and energy to dig deep and make sure the house that he's building will withstand storms. So he just builds it on the sand. And, and what, what might be the sand? Anything other than Jesus. The sand is anything other than Jesus himself. Whatever drives you to dig deep and build your life on, is it for the glory of Jesus Christ and from the strength that Jesus provides and according to the words that he speaks? If not, it's sand. It's sand. And it, Jesus equates the foolish builder with the one who hears his words but doesn't do them, right? He wants enough of Jesus to bless him but not to glorify Jesus. He wants the peace of Jesus but doesn't really want to know the prince of peace. He wants the comfort but not the comforter. Wants guidance and direction, but I don't really want to have to do what you say. I'll take the good life now. I want the good life now. Maybe heaven to come, but I'm not, I mean, if Jesus is there or not, it's no matter to me. Wants the pleasures that Jesus might provide without Jesus. What's well, sand. It won't last. And the storms are what reveal whether you're on sand or whether you're on the rock. Storms will come, right? We're all experienced, we've all have experienced a storm. What you hold to in the storm, what holds your life together is revealed in the storm. And so you ask people like, I like to ask people when they're in hard stuff, what's carrying, what's carrying you along? How are you making it? What's going on? And you can tell if they're holding on to the Lord or not. You can hear what they're holding on to. If they say things like, the Lord is my strength, or the Lord's near to me in my suffering, or, you know, Jesus suffered so much for me. I can endure hardship. He suffered so much. Or, you know, this life is not eternal. I have an eternal hope beyond this life. The, life, the storms of this life are temporary, but Jesus has eternal glory waiting for me. You know, those people have built their lives on Jesus Christ, not the hopes of the world. So you have these three similarities, two builders, and then this one big difference that's exposed by storms. Either in this life, the storms that come, or in the final judgment of storms, we're going to find out what our life is built upon, who our life is built upon. And the one big difference Jesus says is that the wise builder hears and does. The foolish builder just hears. He just hears. The heart of the matter that Jesus says at the closing of his sermon is do you hear and do what I say? Luke's opening to the same parable in Luke 6. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and not do what I tell you? And so Jesus is revealing his purpose of this parable is to expose our attitude and our disposition towards hearing and doing the words of Jesus. But doesn't it make sense that you'd want to hear and do the words of Jesus? 
doesn't it make sense that you would want to hear and do the words of the one who saved us from our sin? We, we've just been celebrating during the Christmas season that Jesus became flesh. He took on human form. He lived and died for sinners like me and you so that we can have hope. He conquered death, rose again, reigns on high right now, guides your life, protects you. You're breathing Right now, this next breath that you're about to take in the heart beating in between is because of his sustaining hand right now. This is our savior. So doesn't it make sense that you wanna hear from him and do what he tells us? And then not only does he do all that for us, in us, he gives us a new heart and he sends his Holy Spirit to help us and empower us and dwell within us and expose to us the folly and foolishness of sin and the glory of Jesus. We have power by his spirit to do what he commands. Doesn't it make sense then that we'd want to hear from Jesus and do his word? We have every reason to love him. We have every reason to love him and do what he says. And so if your heart bristles at being told that you should hear and do the words of Jesus, Dig in and ask why. Because you might find the sand you're building on. If your heart bristles at being told you should hear and obey Jesus, what is it you're living for? It's sand. It's sand. It won't hold you up in the storm. It won't endure the trials and sufferings of this life. It won't last in the face of pain and suffering. Only Jesus will. And our lives are only stable when we do his word. Only stable when we do his word. My goal this morning as we look at this and then talk here in just a minute about approaching Jesus's words is not to motivate you with guilt because that's easy and ineffective. I'd rather motivate you with intimacy with the Lord, with the weight of his words with the glory of hearing and doing what he says. These are the closing statements of the greatest sermon that we know of from Jesus, the Sermon on the Mount. Maybe that's, all of his sermons were the greatest sermons we know of, but this is a great one. But he closes it by saying, he doesn't, you know, he doesn't soften the edge of his preaching. He doesn't water it down. He just says, so if you hear it and do it, you're the wise man. But if you hear my words and don't do them, your life's built on sand. You're going to fall apart. You're going to crumble. This is how Jesus wraps up his sermon. (laughs) And so we should hear them. He states it plainly that we want to build our lives on his his word. And that's, that's where the wisdom comes. That's where life will withstand storms because we're in Jesus. He's holding us together with his word as Ryan saying, how firm a foundation, ye saints of the Lord, is laid for yourselves in his Excellent word. So I I want us to become people of the word in Jesus's word, hearing from him because of the intimacy that comes. The call is to hear the words of Jesus. This is a relational. Jesus is a real man. He's still a real man. He became a man. He was glorified as a man. He reigns as a man and fully God. He's a friend of sinners Talk to him, listen to him, understand him. His promises are wisdom. This is wonderful that we can intimately talk 
with our Savior. But also the weight of it, right? To hear and ignore, Jesus puts grave warnings on. Your life will come undone. You will fall and great will be the fall of it. Or glory. I mean, this, this future glory that is to come, the end of this life is eternal glory with Jesus when all storms will end. And you will have heard his word and done them. And he will have held you together in the midst of the storm. So with that in mind, I'm gonna, I want us to wrap up with six helpful approaches to hear and do the word. So some of you may be thinking about this year, I wanna read this much in the Bible. I wanna do this plan. If you're not considering that, stick around for the conversation. We'll have some shared ideas around that. But here's six encouragements for you to hear the words of Jesus and then do them. These have helped me immensely. I, I pray they help you. Number one, read rhythmically. Read rhythmically. Find a pattern in your life for consuming God's word. Protect that pattern if you can. Treasure the rhythm and the habit of encountering the Lord regularly in his word. This should reflect your season of life. Maybe it's a short verse passage for just a few minutes each day. Maybe it's an hour in the morning and an hour in the evening as you enjoy retirement. I don't know what you're able to do, but it reflects your season. Maybe it reflects your makeup, who you are as a person. You rise up in the morning and encounter Jesus in his word over a cup of coffee. I was joking around at Kaleo Bar earlier that the, the spirit and, a, and the caffeine content of a cup of coffee seem to work together in the mornings to open my eyes to God's word. I, they, they seem to be partners. I don't know. Uh, but have this rhythm in your life, habit structures with, that have, like, keep you accountable to this rhythm of receiving God's word. Even drummers have metronomes that help them keep the rhythm. And when we have rhythms in our lives that helps us stay the course, maybe that's a Bible study or a daily devotional you're working through. The best practice for me that's kept me in the word regularly is writing in the margins of my Bible for my children. I write prayers and thoughts and ideas, and I hope to someday give a Bible to each of my girls. It has been the best discipline for me. It's kept me engaged. So find a rhythm that works for you to regularly hear from Jesus. But don't fall, please don't fall prey to this mechanical approach to a quiet time as if it's a box you're trying to check. Because remember, this is intimacy. This is relational. This is you entering into the presence of Jesus Christ. It's not a box you check so you feel good about yourself. Come to the word regularly because Jesus speaks to you in the word. So this is here, it's where you hear from your friend, from your savior, from the Lord and the creator. Read because he holds all things together, all things together. Read because he delights for you to be in his presence and you are delighted to be in his presence. So read rhythmically. Number two, I'd say read conversationally. Read conversationally or, or relationally, however you wanna say this. But as you open the word of God, realize that you're dialoguing with him. You're, you're speaking to him in prayer. He's speaking to you in his word. This is a conversation. This should go back and forth. 
Relationships require conversation. When seasons go by where Sarah and I haven't had, been able to sit down and talk through things, you start to feel and sense distance, don't you? With Jesus, our time with Jesus, our relationship with Jesus is strengthened and nourished as we converse with him in his word. So as you read, respond in prayer to the Lord. Just follow the prompts of his spirit within you, right? So you look at Matthew 7, 24. You might still have it open. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Maybe you get right there and you're like, oh God, help me do. Help me, I hear your words, help me do your words. And then maybe you, you read that and somebody comes to mind, you're like, you know, some, I, I know so-and-so, he always hears the word of God, but he never does it. Well then pray for him. Yeah, Jesus, thanks for bringing him to mind. Uh, let, I pray that you'll soften his heart. Give him strength to do your word. Just dialogue and converse with the Lord as you read, right? Anyone who hears these words of mine is like a wise man. Oh God, fill me with wisdom. I need wisdom. There's an issue I'm wrestling with. I don't know what to do. I need your wisdom here, Lord. Fill me with your wisdom. Or you keep reading verse 25. And the rain fell and the floods came and the winds blew and beat on the house. And maybe you just be like, Lord, I feel like I'm in the middle of that. I feel like there's storms all around, Lord. Why are there storms all around? I don't understand them, but I know you're gonna hold me together. Give me grace, give me strength. Give me endurance, Lord. Or maybe you're like me and you suddenly realize that for the past like 10 minutes, you've checked out. Your eyes were moving across the words, but you don't remember a thing. Well, just tell them. Jesus, I, I checked out. I'm sorry, I missed that. Let me go back. Please help me, Lord. Help me focus and recall these things to mind when I need them. I have to tell Sarah the same thing from time to time. She's pretty gracious and understanding. Jesus will be too. If you're reading and you're convicted of sin, just confess it. You're in the presence of the one that died on the cross for your sin. Maybe you read, be angry and do not sin. And you're like, oh Lord, I lost it last night. I was so angry. Forgive me, Lord. Give me strength to go back and seek forgiveness for them, from those I've wronged. Or you read and you just don't understand something. Flat out, don't understand it. You know who else has trouble understanding God's word? Peter, who said Paul said some hard things which are tough to understand. Don't let that be a deterrent to you. Just tell Jesus, I don't get this. Lord, I'm not understanding this. Will you help me? Just dialogue with him because that's what you would do with anyone else. And Jesus is a man and he's in his word speaking to you. He loves to hear from you. So read conversationally. Third, I'd encourage you to, to read reverently. Approach the word of God with reverence and awe that our Lord would speak to us. This is the word of the living God and so it should be received with humility and submission to it. You know, allow the word, resolve in your mind, we're gonna allow the word of God to correct my thinking and to correct my living and not to presume to stand as judge over God's word. We read it reverently. The warnings in Jesus's words are real. The one who disregards it, who hears it, doesn't obey it, is gonna have a great fall. 
And so read it reverently. Aim, aim to remove distractions if you can. Parents of toddlers, I'm sorry. I don't know what to tell you there. Aim to minimize distractions. Like these right here, man, this thing is such a deterrent to reading, isn't it? It's so hard. So, but, but try to remove those distractions so that you can give full focus to the Lord and his word. He's the creator of life, the source of all wisdom. He's the expert in every field. <laughs> give him your full attention. And if you do read on a digital format, just encourage you to silence alerts, stay prayerful, stay engaged, stay reverent before the Lord in his word. Don't check out how the Cowboys just won off a bad call or whatever the case may be. Praise be to God. Read reverently. I'd say to read meditatively. Meditate on what you're, you're reading. As Joshua told the Israelites in Joshua 1.8, this book of law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you'll be careful to do according to all that is written in it. For then the Lord will make your way prosperous. Then you'll have good success. So, so, so spend time going deep in the word. And real quick caveat, you probably won't be doing all of these at the same time. But there might be some pieces of these that help in your different approaches to God's word. But dial in on some truth that God has pierced your soul with and hold on to it. I hear people say all the time, I don't read because I never remember everything I read. No one remembers everything they read. No one does. You're in good company. What, what do you meditate on then? If the Lord convicts your heart because of some sin, some piece of the word just jumped off the page at you. Hang on to that. Or perhaps you found some truth to be exceptionally sweet. Like it's exactly what I needed to hear today. Hang on to that. Something you've never seen before jumped off the page. Hang on to that. You realize something about Jesus that you've never seen before. Well, hang on to that and meditate on it. Sit in that truth. Ask the Lord to saturate that truth into your life, write it down, put it on an index card, text it, text it to a friend. This was so good. And God reminded me of this this morning or email it or whatever, journal about it. Just take time to give it more thought, commit to meditating on it, giving it deeper engagement so that God can work it into your mind. He can work it into your life. Just engaging the word in a meditating way. A fifth way, something that maybe some of you are really inclined to and you're really good at, is read to memorize. Read to memorize. And sometimes this just happens naturally on something you've been meditating on. The Lord commits it to your mind. And mem memorizing and meditating go hand in hand. But typically, whatever the truth is that the Lord points out to you, it's worth keeping, committing to memory to some degree. Conviction, engagement, sweet new truths. All of those scriptures that stood out to you, those are good ones to commit to your mind and memory. Something that maybe corrects you. Psalm 119, 9 through 11. How can a young man keep his way pure? By living according to your word. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you, David says. He hid God's word in his heart so that he might not sin against the Lord. One of the sweetest blessings of memorizing scripture 
is that the Lord brings it to mind when you need it. He brings it to mind. See, so you're stewing in anger, and then you remember James 1.20, the anger of man does not accomplish the righteousness of God. You're tempted to look at something sinful, and you remember Psalm 101 that says, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. I will walk with integrity within my heart, within my house, David says. The Lord brings to mind his truth that you've memorized when you most need it. And it's a grace. It's a grace that helps you keep your life pure by living according to Jesus's word. So rhythmically, rhythmically, just come to the Lord. Dialogue with him, converse with him as you're reading. Revere this word, approach it with reverence. Meditate and memorize it so that the Lord can bring his, mind, his word to your mind and to your heart throughout your life and keep your heart fixed on him. And then finally, I'll just say, I'll end where Jesus ended. Receive his word to do it. To do it. It's just embedded in the very sermon on the mount. As the Lord directs your heart in his word, read it to do. We listen to people all the time in order to obey them. We look up YouTube experts online. We read instruction manuals. We go check out online forums. We seek out counsel all the time that we know we will immediately do. Jesus is no exception. We hear his word and then we'll want to go do them because we know storms are coming and we know that Wisdom comes from the Lord, and it is his wisdom that will hold our life together. So I'll end my sermon like Jesus ended his. So hear his word, and consider how you can begin this new year hearing Jesus' words regularly, and then doing them. Matthew 7, 24. Everyone then who hears these words of Jesus and does them, will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house. But it did not fall, because it had been founded on the rock. And everyone who hears these words of mine and does not do them will be like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain fell, and the floods came, and the winds blew and beat against that house, and it fell, and great was the fall of it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for speaking to us in your word, and thank you for dying on the cross for our sins where we have failed to listen and obey your word. And thank you for giving us a new heart with a new desire to obey your word and giving us your spirit so that we can, by your spirit, walk in obedience to your word. Lord Jesus, you have done it all. And so help us hear your words this year. Help us delve deeply into your words regularly. And then work in us, Lord, to do that which is pleasing in your eyes, that which displays our love and our devotion to you, that which will bring you glory and honor and that which by your grace and your power will hold us together in the storms of life. We ask these things in your name, Lord Jesus. Amen.